What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it. The sports supporters were assembling. It's Friday. I'm here with Robert Silverman of the Daily Beast, as I always am, up there in the Northeast. Robert, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you guys? I am good. It's a beautiful, beautiful day down here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Knox, Vegas, as the kids say. And up there in the Northwest, Andrew Hammond of the Tacoma News Tribune. Andrew, good morning. You're in. How are you, sir? Hello. How are you guys? We're good, man. Well, All things considered, it's better than last week. It, last week was a, dark. Yeah, yeah. Before we get too deep into the, why do they call it Knox Vegas? Is there some kind of Oh, no, Bob, I've got some bad news for you. Um, I'm very sarcastic, and that is not a thing that no one says, that anyone says. They're oh, actually, okay. people, say, yo, people say it. People, no, people say I, Nash Vegas. Nash Vegas is a real thing, because if you've I, been to downtown Nashville, that is very, like, let's make this as Las Vegas-y as humanly possible. But Knox Vegas, no. It, well, no, because, like, I've heard... Like most vills that I've heard, mm-hmm. people will people will insert the whole Vegas tag to yeah. it, and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And the one school, the one place that I think about is uh, Starkville. Mm-hmm. And then they decided, oh, hey, guess what? We're gonna call it Stark Vegas, and we're gonna have Stark Vegas uniforms. Yeah, that was that was a pretty terrible idea. I hope people feel bad for themselves. Well, Bob, when you come down here for a Tennessee football game, I'll, I'll show you around Knox Vegas, and I will show you just... Look, I'm amped. There are very few places in America that I've ever traveled to where I haven't thought I haven't been able to find something cool and fun about it. Mm-hmm. I'm all for the entirety of the American diaspora, and, and it's it's all the bounties it has to offer. Well, the, the, the sports find, renaissance woman, find... Sam, is dying to meet you. Okay, cool. And, Andrew, she it's... thinks she, you don't like her. I do. <laughs> or, or are you just, or are you just saying this to sow division in life? <laughs> Ratings are down. Ratings are down. We gotta, we gotta. Have, oh, okay. So, 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 so we're gonna spark controversy uh, on me talking about a woman I've never met. Okay, yeah. cool. Thanks, Chase. I, no. I see what the end game is here. <laughs> Damn. Oh man. Um. So, what have you all? What have you all been ris- uh, recently? I just combined reading and listening. What have you all been reading and listening to this week? My own thoughts of pain. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm joking. I'm joking when I say wow. that. No, it's it's it, it is. Robert Smith. <laughs> I know, right? Um, no, no. Seriously though, um, it's. I'm not trying to get too political, but it it this last week. You know, basically from, you know, insurrection to inauguration, trademark, um, it, it's just a long and painful. It's like we're all waiting for this nightmare to end 
but then you have other nightmares with COVID and all that. So you're just kind of, you're just surviving day by day. And it feels like things are kind of sort of getting better. But at the same time, it's like we have people calling time. We as a society are leading the ball game right now. But the team that's losing is calling all these timeouts. They're delaying the inevitable. And I'm just like, guys, please just get this over with, please. Um, and it kind of wears on you. But no, other than that, um, uh, I got a podcast ready to go on Monday. And uh, yeah, it's been a busy week. And um, I have an announcement at the end of the show. Oh, oh, I like it. I like it. Bob, what about you? Uh... I, I've been enjoying another podcast. Sorry, mm. Chase. Um, Motherfucker. Yeah. Language, please. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, it's called Blowback. Okay. And it's by Noah Colwyn and Brendan James. And it is a look back at the invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan and the events that led up to that. It's lighthearted. It's a lighthearted <laughs> The classic uh, the easy speed of the read. Fall of the American Empire, um, but uh, it's it's incredibly informative and, and quite good, and I've, I've enjoyed it. And it's available on Stitcher and Stound Stitcher and Cloud Stitcher and mm, Cloud mm. Sound and wherever podcasts are found or can be. I think you can to. find it on ChaseThomasPodcast.com. dot com. Yeah, that too. That yeah. Too. Uh, uh, in any case, mm. it's extremely good. Uh, it's. I, I, I've been listening to it in the background while I work, and it, it's it's just a nice low-level white noise thrum of depression, just to as the soundtrack to my. See, I can't do work. that. I can't work and listen to things that actually have words in them. I can't do that. I have this Coffitivity app that I use when I'm writing, um, that's just like university undertone to like a Paris coffee shop. Like a, that, that's what I needed in the background. But in terms of being able to stay focused and read and. Uh, be focused on what I'm actually working on. I can't have like podcasts or TV or anything like that. I don't know how people do that. That that's it's crazy honestly. Me. I will I will use it as background. I'll, I'll use it as I'll listen to it, and of course I'll miss half of it while I'm working, and mm. then listen to it again at double speed, and sort of pick up on all the things that I missed. Interesting. That's an incredibly inefficient and stupid way <laughs> to consume podcasts, and I do not recommend it to anybody else. I, you know, I, I listen to podcasts while I'm cleaning, and yes. if there's maybe a podcast episode that, you know, I I listen to pretty much any type of random podcast, like sports, wrestling, history, the um, podcast when I'm not on. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. Um, so like there, sometimes there will be, like be an episode, especially if the host has a soothing voice. Uh, or you know any type of or they're just kind of telling a story and more like a history podcast i'll use that well as i go to sleep mm. um and so i forget, i think it was a uh, battle of the bastards um podcast or behind the bastards behind the bastards they have so and they're like maybe 20 30 minute uh type stories but at the same time it's one of those things where it's kind of like you're listening to a documentary on tape and you're just like, oh, okay, now this is nice. And then boom, you go to sleep. Interesting. I, I fall asleep to uh, Arrested Development every night. Like that's the only thing I can, that I can't have like quiet when I sleep. Um, 
that's that's not a thing for me. I don't know how people do that either. That is a deal breaker, and I can't I can't do it. I need some sort of white noise to fall asleep. I I can't be lost in my own thoughts, guys. I can't uh, I can't turn my brain off that way. Have you have you been to a Paris cafe, Chase? Uh, no, that's on the agenda though. I I would very much like to. It would be nice. It's a nice thing to do. I highly recommend it. Oh, speaking um, of, I don't know why this just reminded me of this, but um, Bob, have you seen the before movies, the before trilogies, the Richard Linklater movies? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. my favorite series of movies of all time. They're and very good. They're very good, right? Guess who didn't like it and like almost fell asleep watching it and was just like, yeah, I didn't buy their love story. You're the 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 your your special lady. Yeah, friend? I was. I was livid. I was losing it, Bob. Losing and this it. is why we don't like her. Hey, oh, see, I knew you didn't like her, Andrew. I knew it. Confirmed on the podcast. I just needed a reason. <laughs> Look, Linklater's movies, there's a there's an arrhythmic quality that he does, which is at times purposely intended to... How can I do this without sounding like either an incredible movie snob or drunk Hulk film critic? Um, <laughs> You're going to sound like both. Yeah, a little column A, a little column B. Uh, it's uh, it's like he will purposefully throw a wrench into the normal uh, narrative rhythms of a, a movie as to not consciously bore them, but he does not want you to get into the cycle of... Look, every movie, every most narrative forms, what they do is you create an expectation and then you can do one of two things. You can either fulfill the expectation or you can provide the converse. Like think about every horror movie that you've ever watched. There's a young girl and she's running in the hallway and the serial killer is chasing behind her. The expectation is, oh, no, she's going to get brutally murdered. But at the last minute, she manages to grab, uh, I don't know, a knitting needle and stab it into his eye and flee again. You've got the expectation and then the reversal. And in that, you can create humor, you can create drama, you can create pathos, you can create all kinds of things. But most movies operate on a series of those things. You create a world with a given set of expectations and then fulfill them or not in order to keep the audience interested. Linklater refuses to do that ever. He creates expectations and then will take another 40 minutes to fulfill it mm. or refute it. And as such, it gets very – this is absolutely conscientious, I think. And as such, it can be frustrating or unpleasant. And this isn't meant to say, oh, if you don't like Linklater, you just don't understand, comma, man. But uh, it's not for everyone, I think would be the best way to put it. And like enjoying – that convention at play and seeing it worked out is not a bad or lowbrow thing by any stretch of the imagination. This shit goes back to Aristotle. So it's kind of hardwired to the way the human brain functions. So in order to sort of get into Linklater, you have to let go of any of that and try to experience what is going on on screen in the moment without any desire to see those expectations fulfilled. Um, now, that's an incredibly snooty and snobby way to say you should watch this movie that's about a bunch of high school kids from Texas running around getting stoned, but nothing really happens, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that's the best way to approach it. Like I said, though, not everyone's cup OT. It can be if, boring. If Wait, wait. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, Chase, you're telling me that the lady friend... Mm -hmm. uh, we can say girlfriend now. 
I like Ooh. to say I am I am classy. I like to say lady friend. Well no lady friend is a hey, here's a life hack for you, you fellas out there. The the guys out there listening. Um this one's for you. If you refer to your per like a person you're early on dating and you say lady friend if she asks you what you are. Lady friend is ambiguous. It can mean whatever. It makes no sense that lady friend is not official, but girlfriend is. But girlfriend sounds a lot more serious. Lady friend is a just a, a vague term. I like I like the term lady friend because I can sit there and act like I'm like in the eighteen the late eighteen hundreds. Is your lady friend? <laughs> yeah, for me it's like it's a big Lebowski reference. It's mm. my special lady friend, man. Yeah, not my. She's my special lady friend, man. But um, <laughs> uh, there is something. Wait, Andrew, what were you about to say? I think Andrew. I, I I I was gonna. Uh, so she doesn't like. Um, uh, what what movie is it specifically that she doesn't doesn't like? Oh, it was Before Sunrise. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I'm okay with that. Like it's it is what it is. I fell asleep on it. Oh um, no! So okay, so we get along. I thought yeah, she y'all get along. You're back I in. She hated Dazed and Confused. Mm. Now, if she hated Dazed and Confused, we were gonna have beef. Do you like? Did you like Everybody Wants Some? That is you know, so good. It's a movie I, that no one's seen that I've always wanted to talk to with other people. No I, one saw it. So, so here's my thing on Everybody Wants Some. If you go into it with the premise of this is dazed and confused, but in college and completely different angle, it works. But it is. Dazed and confused equals. That's canon. Yeah, and, and, and I have no problem with that. Some people are like, oh, it wasn't. No, guys, it's basically like a, a slightly older set version of Dazed and Confused. It's okay. Um, that and you, Dazed and Confused might, be, and this might be a movie hot take. I don't, I don't know, and I don't care. Dazed and Confused might be the most underrated movie of the last thirty years. Oh wow! Did you guys read the oral history that came out recently of Dazed and Confused? I have not. I did. Yeah, it's quite fun. It's a shocker that no one died. <laughs> yeah, like it. it yeah, we, we it's also can refer like to. Uh, got, yeah, got a whole bunch of actors who were not old enough to be having this kind of fun down to Austin, and just let them go crazy. Shit, which I'm entirely in favor of, and no one died. So you know, hooray! Hooray! No one died. <laughs> um, hey, no. Which naturally brings us. To Charles Barkley. I was going to say the Nets, but that that's close enough. <laughs> I was watching that live last night, and I do a double take because I'm sitting there. I'm I'm doing notes for other stuff for today and reading. Um, I'm, I, I haven't read Jonathan Abrams' um, Boys Among Men yet, so it's been sitting there on my shelf for a little bit, and I'm finally... Same. Yeah, it's really good. Very big fan of it. It's, it's a good read. Um, but I was reading that, and then I look up, and I just, I hear him and I'm like, what, what, what did he just say? I literally rewound it. I, I couldn't believe what he just said. And it was like one of those things in life where it's like, we know that all rich people believe this, but no one says it out loud. And this has always been my argument against um, healthcare. It, this is just like how it works in legal system, how it works in healthcare, how it, where it's just like, 
hey, if you have more access to more funds and more capital, then that means you deserve or they believe that they deserve better lawyers, better um, health care, better everything. And that's obviously um, it goes against everything, I believe, as a human being. But Charles Barkley just openly being like, yeah, we should all jump the line because we play, <laughs> we make a lot of money and we pay a lot in taxes. So that should actually mean that uh, we all get vaccinated before before everyone else, before the plebeians. And I couldn't believe he said it out loud. I would have assumed that he believed that. We, I would assume Ernie Johnson believes that. I would assume that Shaq believes that. I would assume that they all do. Um, even Kenny, who pushed back a little bit. But I think in their heart of hearts, I think they all believe that. And I think this has always been something I was waiting for um, with the wealthy and with the 1% to come out and just be like, hey, we're frustrated. Uh, are we done with the whole waiting thing? Because uh, we're ready to move to the front line. We have money. I don't know if you knew this or not, but we have money. So we deserve to get vaccinated before everybody else. Andrew, what do you think? Okay, so I said this last night. Did I characterize that fairly? No, no, you, yeah, um, you absolutely did. Here's my thing. Um, I am very excited for the day that uh, Shaq and Charles both leave inside the NBA um, because they add nothing of value. And when I say they add nothing of value, I'm not saying that you have to give me you know, extensive, you know, breakdowns and framing of plays and and all of that. It's pretty apparent having one having worked in TV, two having worked with analysts and 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 been around the broadcast aspect of sports. These guys just show up, and 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 they. They are basically the American answer to Don Cherry. <laughs> and and some people may be like, oh, well, who's Don Cherry? Don Cherry is an old hockey coach in the NHL. He coached uh, the Boston Bruins for about five, six years. Dynamic personality. Everybody loves him. And basically, he, he, does, he did the segment on Hockey Night in Canada every single week where basically he just sits back and just kind of tees off on things for about eight to ten minutes during during one of the intermissions, and it's just kind of like, okay, I did know he do a, a racism? Sh- Am I misremembering? Yeah, that? he yeah. did. Okay, he did. Um, he did and, a lot of racism. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't don't let him talk about European hockey players. Mm. Um, and, and so he, my thing with Charles and Shaq is I get why they're there, but. If inside the NBA is help is not helping the this league stereotype that the NBA has right now, um, where basically it's you're feeding off the drama of what's going on in and around the league, and this aspect of it is not helping because. It's difficult to watch these games anyway, but when you say, oh, we should just hop the line, when you've literally done nothing to deserve hopping said line. They have money, Andrew. Well, congratulations. Uh, No, I mean, I. Charles and Shaq, I'm just, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over the hot take aspect of what they do, and it's just no longer entertaining. 
like I, I won't even watch inside the NBA now. Like I just, it's, I'm no longer like, Oh, I need to watch this. I mean, whatever they say is going to go on social media anyway. So true. Yeah. Bob, what do you think? Okay. My incredibly cynical response is Charles is not wrong, but not for the reasons he thinks like, the reality is we are going to find out the number of incredibly wealthy people who have been vaccinated for a while now on the down low. Like, wealth and money is going to provide, has already provided, through you know, most of American history, access to the kinds of medication and health care that the proles couldn't, couldn't even dream of. Yeah, we're already seeing and, that with the vaccinations, all the ones we bought up versus uh, other countries around the world, like the disparity yeah, between the two. Yeah, it's... Uh, so I don't, maybe it's not that he's not wrong. It's like Charles is like, I mean, uh, he's, I don't find him particularly interesting or at least the interesting things for me about Charles Barkley are not his political beliefs. They're fairly conservative and, um, you know, not always the best thought out and, you know, occasionally he lets one rip on air and people get mad for a second and they go on. But honestly, it like it doesn't impact anything. It's indicative of what a certain class of, of wealthy American thinks um, and possibly even what a certain class of wealthier like people of color might think. Maybe. I don't know if you can extrapolate Charles Barclay's beliefs out to a segment of the population. But I mean, there is a certain wealthy class that obviously does believe they should get vaccinated first. Like hospital administrators are getting vaccines, even though they're not anywhere near patients. Like he's he's far from alone. Um, but, you know, I just don't I don't care about what Charles thinks about the world in that in that in this particular sense. Like, I think the things that make Charles Barkley interesting have If you wanted to write about Charles Barkley, his spicy takes on TNT would cover a sentence, maybe, in my opinion. Yeah. Or should. Do y'all want to touch on the the Jackie Mac stuff this week, too, before we get into the Harden stuff? (sighs) Okay, so can somebody... I listen to I, it. I've been I've been super busy the last like few days, and I don't listen to Bill Simmons' podcast because you know what, fuck Bill Simmons. Um, so can somebody explain to me just what happened? Chase, I'll let you handle it. Yeah, I just read the tweet with the transcription. If you if you actually listen to it, you should probably go first here. She so they were it was Rosillo Simmons and Jackie McMillan. Um, on Rosillo's podcast and they were talking about uh, Kyrie and like they asked Jackie about Kyrie because they were like well we're not in Boston you're more plugged in and you've had way more conversations with Kyrie the person and she talked about this discussion she had one time an argument she had with Kyrie about um, just uh, the draft and Kyrie argued uh, against the, the whole idea of a draft and that players should be free is, to go wherever they want and play for whoever that's they want. That's correct opinion, which is correct. It is, is a correct, correct opinion. And then she replied that, well, no, you are property. She referred to these athletes as property. 
And <laughs> because he makes millions of dollars for a team that he is and all athletes are the property of the team that employs them, that uh, the workforce is property and people already made jokes about the whole capital capital thing um, in terms of all of this and all the irony involved in this. But it was um, it was bad. And then not too long after Bill Simmons compared um, the Kyrie situation with um i think it was with harden uh about his dogs coming into the house he got a new puppy and his favorite dog in the house did not like i'm not kidding that happened like not more than five minutes after the jackie mcmullen anecdote and i was just dumbfounded bill said what now so yeah. Bill was he's he's into comparisons and uh, of and course he, yes yeah. Yeah, and he yeah, compared yeah. When he uh, talked about lying to his wife about birth control to get her pregnant and called it pulling the goalie that was yeah that was a that that oh god um <sighs> but no I it it was all bad it, the whole episode was just it was all bad it, nothing will top the uh, a sad week in America. Plus the 2005 redraftables that will never get topped. But um, yeah, no, this uh, this was all very bad for everyone involved, and it was just the most tone deaf conversation um, possible. About it, you're not going to believe this, but three older white sports reporters having a tone deaf conversation about um, young African American athletes did not go well. It's almost like Bill Simmons probably needs a bit more color on the Ringer uh, staff. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, you, you just did a reverse racisms. That was bad. <laughs> I, I'm, I know. For doing here, the reverse racisms. Here, here, here's my thing on Bill Simmons. Now, and we've talked about this idiot before, but <laughs> I, I lose, like, look – He's passionate about basketball. I respect that. But Bill Simmons, at some point, he's got to realize that what he says in terms of takes and all of that, I mean, it's too late to realize it, but it, it must be said that while your podcast, why you, why, while you feel your podcast may be you know, oh, buddies at the bar talking. I I have no problem with that, but or w- with that kind of premise. But when you are trying to broadcast these buddies at the bar drinking and having a conversation, and you do this, not a good look. But the thing is, nobody's going to check them on it at yeah, the ring because of quality control. Well, yeah, and and it's. It is. It's not a good look, and I like Jackie McMullen, but yeah, there's some things you can't say. And we all have. I feel like we all kind of have a take on Kyrie. My thing with Kyrie is, I wonder if he's healthy, or and, and I think the one thought that I have with Kyrie, I don't think he wants to play this season. I don't think he wants to play basketball I think, anymore. I made this comparison on the podcast Wednesday. I was like, there's some Andrew Luck vibes to him where it's like, I don't know if he's just, he wants to do this anymore, which is fine. Uh, yeah, no, I have no problem with that. And, and I, I think it's, it's, it's a, they, there are a lot of guys, whether it be college, whether it be pro, 
you can see it in these guys. They're just kind of going through the motions. Like, like some of these guys just do not want to be out there right yeah, now. Yeah, my favorite example of that is Eddie Curry, who was a gymnast before he started playing high school ball. And people said, you have to play high school basketball now. You don't get to be a gymnast like you want because there's no such thing as a six foot 11, 280 pound gymnast. Um, but he didn't like it. He didn't like basketball. He didn't like playing basketball. He was just, you know, very good at it at the high school level because, again, 6'11", 285, and the agility of a gymnast. So he never liked it. And it, it sort of wrecked his life in a lot of ways. Um, like Andy Curry did some things that were bad, but I have a certain amount of empathy for him because, I mean, beyond, you know, quote unquote, squandering all of his innate talent and not becoming a dominant center, whatever. Like, but he never, he said since then, he had a really good Players Tribune article about it, um, where he said, like, yeah, it was just, you know, it was what he did because he was very good at it at a young age. And people around him said, you could make a lot of money doing this. And he did. Um, like whether Kyrie wants to play or not, I don't know. I get, I get, I get what you guys are saying as well. I still find Kyrie like, as NBA players go, I find Kyrie compelling and interesting. I hope Same. he doesn't quit. I hope he doesn't quit. Um, I know that occasionally he will say dumb things on a podcast or post words that are probably not in his best interest, and that's not something I can relate to at all. Because everything I say on podcasts and posts is mwah, sterling. <laughs> um, so, you know, he will. And the Flat Earth stuff was dumb. And I, I wrote about this a little bit in a story that you can read at the Daily Beast. Ooh, uh, I like it. Plug that ish. About the Nets' new big three. And I got to speak to Dezus and Mero about it, which was awesome. And now we're Just all flexing on us. I know. Yeah, now, now I'm really good friends with these Mara. We're gonna like, you know, hang out when people are gonna hang out, allowed to hang out again, because they're cool and they know how cool I am, and mm. vice versa. Um, but in any case, you can read that at the Daily. Did Beast William Defoe come up in this conversation? Oh no, no, <laughs> Chase, shut the hell up. Yeah. Um, and uh, but in any case, yeah, like Kyrie does tons of things, like that don't get as nearly as much publicity that are incredibly cool. I tend to align with his beliefs politically. So of course I'm more inclined to hand wave away any concerns about all the, the, the gossipy stuff. So Kyrie's cool. I hope he keeps playing. I think the nets are going to implode, but Oh, they absolutely are. See, I don't, they're I, think gonna, they're win- I think they're winning the East with ease. So like, I- well, let's well, talk to it. Let's get into it because I think we're going to overthink this. This was something I thought of immediately. People were going to – they don't even need Kyrie to win the East. Like if he never plays another basketball game, they are – you are not – you're not beating James Harden and Kevin Durant in a seven-game series. You're just not in the um, East. The Lakers will beat them in the finals, but you are not beating them in the East. There's so, no one. Real quick, I just mm-hmm. want to say I wanted to clarify something in case uh, it confused any of you guys or the listeners. I don't want Kyrie to retire – and I don't think he wants to retire. I think he's kind of over the whole process of returning to play, all of that. I think that's where he's at. At least that's what the vibe I'm getting. I think if like, we could like 
play for the Denver Nuggets, score 25 points a game, and have nobody pay attention. Well, the Nuggets are kind of good now, so that's probably a bad example. But, like, play for the Hornets. Oh, no. And have nobody pay attention. I think he'd be thrilled. I, 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 don't, I, I don't think it's just playing in New York. I think it's mostly during this entire time of COVID. And, and yeah. I, I think that's where he – that's where I'm, like, I get where he's coming from. Um, but as far as the Nets go – I I liken it to, and like, ten percent of your audience will get this, the twenty ten France World Cup team, where, on paper, pretty damn talented, uh, but it's just I believe that team featured Thierry Henry. Uh, yes, um, but there and is thus ends my knowledge of soccer. There you go. Um, but there there is there is no like. Uh, scandalous sex tape that comes out. Um, but basically, it's a team that, on paper, it looks really, really good. But when you get them on the floor, the chemistry is just not there. And Steve Nash, I love me some Steve Nash. But this is major... Yeah, I'm just not the best situation team. for a for a first time NBA coach. I'm, that and I'm just coaching this team, you know, just just on vibes because apparently Kyrie didn't allegedly, of course, you know how NBA Twitter works and the media works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, allegedly, Kyrie didn't want uh, Steve Nash, so now you've got a point guard. I know, I know where the source of that rumor is. That's that's, and I wouldn't give it too much credence. I know oh, that's what I figured. I know, I know the the the, the fake scoopmeister you're citing, and I'm not even going to mention his name because yeah. it's not worth it. But that guy, yeah. that guy is that guy is an OG veteran of Nick's Twitter and is infamous for for making things up in, yeah. or or say or making bold proclamations, and then having to delete his tweets when people are like, "Yeah, you are." a hundred percent wrong like insisting that our andrea bargnani was going to be the final piece to the next puzzle in right. 20 right and so, and so i'm just kind of like <sighs> but there I, are other better sources who've intimated as much as well let's continue. right it's it, and and that and that's the, all i'm saying is that i'm getting the vibes of a team that should be a contender on paper and we don't even know if this is going to work and we're just rolling with it, and all of a sudden we're going to assume, okay, they're the favorites. Show me on paper. Also, I got flashbacks to the 4 Lakers. When, when people are throwing teams together, I'm like, okay, get it done. Like, okay, go ahead and do it. Yeah, the star model works when you've got LeBron or that one year when – the Spurs were bad. The Lakers didn't get Gasol till the middle of the season. And there was a small, narrow window for the Garnett, Pierce, Allen, Celtics to squeak through. Like, it just, more often than not, it does not work. Fair. Um, okay, and this is, maybe this is wrong. I don't know. Please, somebody check me on it. But when I'm looking at, this this Nets team is it me or are we seeing a team that no Can't guard to, a pine cone? Well, that and no offense to Kevin Durant, but remember when LeBron went to Miami 
and then he went back to Cleveland and had some additional help. Can we have the same energy for Kevin Durant? No. I mean, I, I, that's I, not going to happen, I, I, Andrew. I, I'm I'm just saying if we're gonna if we're gonna match that same energy for LeBron, who once again LeBron did nothing wrong. Like it was <laughs> in, in, in terms of you well, know, he did one thing wrong. The decision was wrong. Like that is the, where the okay, proceeds okay, so, went. Everything okay, was good, but I'm saying the, that was like the, the worst way to ever do anything a, like that. Was a poorly thought out strategic plan. Also, if we can give some credit to the decision, it absolutely changed NBA free agency forever. So, was it really that bad? Um, no, it was fine. It was just it was it was it was it was new and different and probably ill conceived, but it was fine. Can I just bring up one Kevin Durant tweet from 2011 that I found in the? Oh, course I'm ready for this one. Yeah, this is Kevin Durant, January 2011. And the tweet from Kevin Durant is, Scarlett Johansson, I will drink your bathwater. Hashtag. <laughs> you just wanted to put, you just wanted to, to say that just, just so you can imply you wanted to drink Scarlett Johansson's bathwater. Bob, you are a sick man. Nor promoting the content of the tweet. I am not saying I want to drink the bathwater. I'm not saying it's bad for anyone to want to drink the bathwater. I'm just saying in one of the great all-time NBA Twitter moments. It was, it was a very back funny. in a time when when players could just sort of post things like the Dennis Smith Jr. slang and wood tweet. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's funny. Which naturally, That's which naturally yeah. brings Mitch us. Trubisky, yeah. Mitch Trubisky. I love titties. Tweet also is right up there. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, the Bucks. The, it's time for NFL playoffs talk, guys. It, it's our favorite portion of the podcast. Mm-hmm. No, it's the NBA Nailed it. Yeah. So something I'm thinking about a lot, and I talk about this with other people. I don't know if y'all have these kind of discussions, but it's just like, oh, the NFL is the parody league. Well, no, it's not. Because the Bucks are really the only hope this weekend for a non-number one seed or number two seed to advance to the final four. The NFL, of course, expanded their playoff structure to include one more team. We saw this in baseball. They expanded the playoffs. And guess what? The number one seeds in both conferences still made the World Series. Um, the college football playoff can expand all they want. But guess what? It's still going to be Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson at the end. Sorry, Andrew. The, you can expand all you want. But my thing is that like the parody stuff is just not it's not going to happen. The best will still win out. The NBA can go to nine. They can have their playing games, and it's still going to be the number one seed. And yeah, you know, I it, they'll have some situations where the Heat just have everything work the right way in the bubble and as a four or five seed, whichever they were. I don't even remember at this point. Um, yeah, that's cool. But by and large, it's not how basketball and professional sports and really even college sports now work. And um, the Bucks are really the only hope of a non-number one seed, number two seed winning. Um, so when people are like, oh, I, I remember having this conversation with people about the playoffs. And they're like, I, I like the Ravens or the Titans last year when they were a wild card team running the table. And I'm like, yeah, no, wild card teams don't win the Super Bowl anymore. I'm just going to go with the Packers and Chiefs. And that's uh, that's what I'm banking on this year, even with the Packers not being able to keep a left tackle um, in front of Aaron Rodgers. But um, what do you guys think? Do you think that's a bad thing that we're on the verge of another number one, number two seed matchup in both conferences uh, ahead of um, another NFL season? Shrink the playoffs. Shrink it. Shrink okay. The Shrink the playoffs. And, 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 I, and I say this 
as and look, I get with the with the massive amount of teams that you have, you need to, you know, I understand the need to have the amount of teams that you have in the playoffs now. But let's if we can just keep it a buck, division championships don't mean anything anymore. Um you've you you are we're essentially rewarding mediocrity with with rewarding division champions with playoff spots um because i'm throwing I mean, owners a bone that's all it is everyone's just throwing I mean, yeah, uh, billionaires a bone like here's a little I, bit more playoff revenue for you guys right like i get that but at the same time if we're sitting here like taylor heineke congratulations like <laughs> great great run Great run, adorable. He was so you much know, fun, it, man. You know he went to a rival was, high school of mine, uh, it, and I didn't realize ooh. that until the game. But yeah, did you guys watch Taylor Honeycomb get milkshake ducked like as that yes. game yes. during the game? Um, Everyone but, loves milkshake quarterbacks. The beloved quarterback who throws touchdowns for Washington. Oh, we regret to inform you. No, <laughs> dude, I saw that and I saw the tweet starting to roll in. I closed Twitter. I'm like, nope, not gonna know about this until after the game. I'm not doing this. Not doing I mean, this tonight. Here's, I'll sum it up like this: If anybody is happy about watching, if 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 you're fine with watching Washington and Chicago, basically just kind of meh. There, well, Washington not so much. Washington actually gave a damn, uh, but Chicago just kind of meh their way through a playoff game. Yeah, no, Mm-mm. I would like to see. Give me the six best teams in each conference. In, in yeah, in each conference, settle it that way. Get rid of divisions. Like and division I mean, it in the octagon. D- division wow. championships don't mean they don't carry any weight anymore. They you they realize, just Andrew, that don't. You're, that you're, you're asking here to people to go back to sending telegrams to communicate, right? Mm. Like, I know. Have, I know. Do telegrams? I, were, I, I wish we could do that. That'd be awesome. I, I, I know it's a I, I know it's old and send archaic, me a telegram, but, Bob. But right. the playoffs, but making the playoffs should be difficult. I I have no problem with teams, you know, having the you know the T-shirt. Oh, we won the division. But I'm sorry, Washington, really? You're gonna? And the only reason that you won the division is because Doug Peterson was literally tanking in front of you, and you guys couldn't even follow the tank correctly because oh. you almost lost the damn game. Um, can, yeah. Can I ask I, a question? Can I yeah. ask a question of you guys? Um, I have some more. You are both more football knowers than I am, so I'm going to ask your sage advice. What are your thoughts on the new Jets head coach, Robert Sala? And I love it. Love it? Because, see, it worries me. I, I don't Well, it should worry you. It's the fucking Jets. We do this over and over again. <laughs> okay. can, can we can just explain the Jets why the it worries me this time, though? Because it's different. Yeah, ever, it's always different until two years later, and you're like, it wasn't different. It's this never-ending cycle. Why do we do this? Right. But I, I just, uh, one, I have a, an essential distrust of a man that age who's in that good shape. Like, that, that makes me nervous. <laughs> that makes you nervous. Okay, uh-huh. that, that unsettles me. Mm-hmm. I have questions about his character because right. of that. Rex Ryan, two, a lot of success yeah, being out of shape. Not to impugn the character of uh, Robert Sala, which I just did, uh, but he looks like what a proud boy thinks a proud boy looks like. 
And and that also did. I, I just think he looks just... like Agent Morgan from from uh, Criminal Minds. That's what I was thinking. Well, that and he oh, looks because... like uh, one of the dudes off Prison Break. I forgot. Yeah, who it is. yeah, he looks like a prison guard. Dude looks like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say prison guard. He just looks like one of the guys off of Prison Break. That's like he's got a very know, square head. The bad guy. Yeah, very yeah. square head. Uh, he he looks like he's like one of the the. You think he's a bad guy on on Prison Break, but. Mm. You you kind of realize, oh man, like wait a minute, this dude is like legitimately helping us out here. Uh, is, is prison break the show where he had to break out of prison, and then they had the second season after he'd broken out of prison, and then he goes that? back in, and you're like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I missed this bit of network fare, but I'll take your word for it. In any case, those are my concerns. I do not like the raw raw leader of men type coach who's going to download a bunch of Jordan Peterson podcasts and play it for the team during halftime. That's what I worry about. Oh my Is God. My, I think you've got bigger worries, worries, Bob, like actually putting oh. together a good on-field product and an offense that doesn't make you want to uh, drown your head in your toilet. Okay. Well, that's more of a, a hobby of mine. Not really. <laughs> um, but okay. I, am, I am entirely reassured. Thank you guys. I, I'm just, until it happens, I'm just like, no, he's probably going to get fired in two years. It's going to be awful. And uh, they're going to fumble the Sam Darnold trade, and they're going to take Zach Wilson, and he's not going to pan I, out. Yeah. I I have no sources, but I spoke to a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Who oh, I like keep... these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who says they're going to trade down, which I'm already preemptively mad about. They, I mean, here's my thing. Well, a if you trade down, is... then you're keeping Darnold. Yeah, yes. Well, that and a sucker's yes. born every day. I'm aware. A sucker's born every day, and if you well, can get I mean, the right, if you can get the, see, here's my thing. If you can get the right haul for, I would say you take an offensive lineman because yeah, it's get that get that big meat slapper out of Oregon. I like him. yeah, Penny Sewell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and the fact that Penny Sewell literally. Has not played a game. He's been training like a MF for the last what four or five months. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely. I'm, I'm absolutely taking. A, here's my thing. I'm trying to be nice about this. Mm. You don't have to. That's. I'd doing. rather be in the Jets situation than the than Jags the situation. Oh, the Jags are gonna. The Urban Meyer thing is just uh, delightful. Ur- I am so excited for that. So impression. it's kind of like it's it checks off all the boxes, you know, right? Like if, if you're a prospective coach, it is uh, a salary cap to high heaven um, or salary cap space to high heaven. You can draft a quarterback. Uh, and a pretty good one, I think. Yes. Yeah. The defense, the defense is actually somewhat decent. Um, you... you Offensive line, you can you can tinker with, you can improve. Like there are so many opportunities to improve this team, and you're gonna have Urban Meyer do it. I. Oh, and by in the way, Jackson, like, how can you go to Jacksonville? It's beneath him. Jacksonville is suburban. And Urban Meyer said he's not gonna call plays. Okay, fine. All right. If they don't score 17 plus points. In two, three straight games in 2021, I bet you he takes over play calling. I just, I just feel like Urban Meyer, who already is like, I'm like, uh, again, you guys are the football knowers, but I believe he has a history of turning tail and running away when things well, get bad. Health oh, yeah, problems. The biggest thing is 
the health problems. Like he has a brain, he's had a brain cyst. The last time we saw Urban Meyer on a on a football sideline, he was throwing up, like he was falling over, and I don't, like just having horrible migraines. Throwing up. Yeah, he threw up. I'm pretty sure on one of those games. I, 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 I thought he just kind of like I thought he just kind of sat down and, and and took a knee because he was hurt. Maybe Remember, he took he was, a knee. Oh. I thought he threw up. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I thought there was some, there was some goss floating around that the reason, speaking of up chucking, the reason Donovan McNabb threw up in the Super Bowl is he had been out having a really good time the night before, and he was hungover for the whole game. I have no idea if that's. True, I I don't I buy that. I don't buy that. Um, I, he probably he was probably nervous, but I mean, yeah. hell, I mean, uh, here's Urban is it's not going to work because this is a guy who literally is in two in two situations. He, I want to say parachute because he he built the Florida situation pretty well, um, but the Ohio State situation kind of parachuted in on. And because he, I mean, that team had potential. They were they were just poorly coached. Uh, losing literally drives this man insane. The NFL. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's not a good thing for. Yeah, for the NFL is one of those places where it's like losing will happen. You will take losses. You will take some devastating losses. How do you bounce back from that? I, yeah, I, I, just, like, I don't see it. Rookie quarterbacks almost always stink in their first year. Like Trevor Lawrence, it may be great, but he's it's going to take him some time to figure his shit out. Yeah, I don't know. Which naturally brings us to our last conversation of the day, guys. Okay. The Levitard John Skipper media adventure. <laughs> what do What do we think? Can I give you a quote from our old friend? Wait, wait, Al hold Kid? on, hold on, hold on. Mm. Uh. I'm 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 missing something. Please explain. Well, uh, Dan Lebetard, who has left ESPN, has teamed up with his old ESPN buddy John Skipper, who's still running DAZN or Dazen or whoever. It's I think, I'm pretty sure it's DAZN, Yes, which is terrible. Mm. But um, and he's starting a fledgling media empire which will include both video and podcasts and some written content and he's bringing aboard a whole bunch of people Bobani jones is going to contribute uh jamel hill a bunch of other people and they made a very big mistake which is someone leaked to front office sports that they were going to be the opposite of outkick.com which is just a <laughs> it's an incredibly dumb way to put it because don't don't give clay the credit you're not like aha i'm gonna do the opposite of what this dingus says it's like no you're you're hiring people who you know who are good at writing and talking about sports and do they generally fall on the left side of the political spectrum yeah but, like, I can hear Bomani wax nostalgic about, like, all kinds of subjects that have nothing to do with, like, a progressive tax rate or anything like that. Um, he's Bomani Honky Jones, man. If you can get that guy, you get him. Um, and, of course, Clay took the bait uh, and spent a day tugging on his nuts and screaming about how this only makes him stronger somehow. Um, and he got his local, you know... His uh, his 
his favorite blogger, Bobby Burak, to write up something incoherent about it. It's like, like, cool. Dan LeBetard on the radio, awesome stuff. Bomani Jones, great. Um, uh, Jamel Hill, perfect, fine. Like, they're going to go make stuff. They're going to make content. Some of it will be good. Others won't be as good. And it's fine. It's just, like, bringing Clay's fascist blog into it was just, it's just like, don't. It's a shot. It's a it's a it's 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 a shot at the bow. I mean, it's it's low hanging fruit, and uh, I don't 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 elevate them by saying that there's any way culpable. I get it. it. Like, and it was like one of those sources said thing, and I'm like, whichever dingus said that, it was probably not intended in the way that McCarthy took it, and it just was like it was a day's worth. Should have come out. It probably should have come out. It's just bad. It's it's just terror. It's and it's all because, like, Bomani did a thing in one of his in some segment last week where I think he, uh, I forget what the exact phrase he used to to to, to describe Clay. It may have been like shithead or who Dan shit. Yeah, Danny said shit stain. Shit stain. That's the one. Which no lies spotted, <laughs> but um. And so it's just an escalation of But that. it doesn't help them, and that's your broader point. It only helps Clay and Alkin. Yes. Like, it serves no purpose. Right. Like, and, and it's just like, uh, I, I am I am very curious to know, and we, we talked about this a lot in the group chat, or a little in the group chat. I, I am excited to hear what cockamamie answer Jason Whitlock comes up with for why he bailed on OutKick. That Does he get his money back is what I want to know. Who knows? So, so that so that was actually true, because I so when I first when I first saw the story or when 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 it was pulled or whatever from Twitter, somebody was saying that oh yeah it's this is just, you know it's not true or it's you know Here, here's it wasn't story. supposed to be announced the, the what the the what wasn't true his or his departure like it was all bull crap or whatever or somebody somebody basically kind of like hacked or, or, uh, uh, here's the thing. I don't pay attention to Whitlock so I <laughs> I, I basically kind of just left that alone um I don't know what like basically what happened is is Clay wrote up a very sweaty blog uh, saying, uh, I love Jason Whitlock. He's done great work here. He has an opportunity to expand his audience and continue his uh, career. Uh, so he's leaving, and I would never stand in the way of talent. Gotta go. Bye. Um, and then Whitlock tweeted, anything anyone aside from me writes or says about me is fake news, which meant basically that he was calling his former partner fake news. Again, delicious. But... Uh, he then went a day later. Again, I'm a sicko who pays attention to this. Uh, he went on Glenn Beck's radio show mm. to claim that promises were made to him and not kept. And he didn't really expound or delve into the details of that. So there's there's an incredibly stupid reason, which I'm sure Jason Whitlock will ex- will will expound on at length. I'm sure he will will. Just, just fart incessantly about what he believes happened. Um, I, who, who knows? Uh, but yeah, that's the that's the media goss for today's portion of the program. You guys want to go to the college football minute, or now that the season's over, we're not going there. 
Oh, we can go to the college football minute because I got takes. Oh, God. Right, go for it. All right, go college football it, minute. Bob's going to make some some wine coke. I am. Some chamomile tea. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm, I am going to make some tea, actually. That's true. <laughs> I'm going to make some lemon ginger tea. God damn it. You're, you're, you're a classy motherfucker, Bob. My throat is feeling a little scratchy, so I'm making an herbal tea. Proud of you. <laughs> Oh, um, ratings down for the college football final. Um, Andrew, what it's did, all, uh, it's, it's give me almost your takes. like it's 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 almost like having the same type of teams and program in the same game. Look, Alabama was the best team in the country all season long. We all knew this. We all knew what was coming. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Chase, can you name the team that held Alabama to their lowest point total of the season? Uh, I, I kind of just don't want to say the team name because um, the game was never in hand and they had that garbage door cover. Say it. I, I don't want to say, say it. it. No, because like, they didn't play them the best game. Like Ole Miss gave them the best game this season. Notre Dame held Alabama to a season low 30 You're not getting points. me to say Yeah, there you go. Okay, great. I know. Um, here's here's my thing. We all knew, I, and honestly, I think Alabama kind of let off the gas a bit. Um, that and Notre Dame tried to hold the ball till you know, till Easter, which blessed their hearts. Um, no, I mean, this was a team that, you know, People don't want to compare them to LSU, but I think the comparisons are accurate and the comparison should be made Um, in terms of just offensive firepower. People say, oh, it was a COVID season. Look, that's one of the best offenses I've ever seen. I don't need... I I, I don't need it to be a non-COVID season or not. They freaking dominated. Um, Here's my thing. People want to take away, oh, we need to limit scholarships. We need... Get better. That's all I gotta say. Get better. Um, and for some schools, they can. Some other schools, like, what do you want out of your program? Um, because clearly, it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's Ohio State, it's Clemson. Those four. Yeah. You've you've got you've got to get into that upper tier. And does it happen when Nick Saban retires? Possibly. Uh, You've got to catch these teams at the right time. I think Oklahoma is – I would put a nice amount of money on them winning a college show. I think they're probably – it's weird saying that – it's weird that we're saying that a team that's going to be top five to start the season, possibly number one to start the season, is an underrated pick for a national championship. But that's just where we – that's just where we are at right now. Also, um, I want to plug – Another podcast. Sorry, Chase. Oh, um, I know it's it's heresy. Um, I just felt like saying it's heresy. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, it one. It was difficult to watch because of the score, but it was difficult to watch as a fan because this season was it sucked. This season sucked in terms of just actually enjoying the game. Like it, yeah, we enjoy sports because we, you know, we're we're fans. You know, some of us make our living off of it. But it was difficult to watch at times with the empty stands, with COVID protocols. Like it was, it sucked, and it just sucks the life out of you because it's like you just wanted the season to end. And that apathy that I had maybe the last two months of the year, 
that's carried over into college basketball. And uh, Shutdown Fullcast had basically a 10, 15-minute segment wrapping up their show on how we're, a lot of us are feeling right now, but you know some people just don't want to voice it. So, yeah, the ratings were down, one, because the game sucked. Two, we all knew what was coming, but three, there's just a, there's a lot of fatigue that we as college sports fans are dealing with. If these guys were getting paid, maybe the fatigue is a bit lessened, but a lot of college, a lot of the ugly parts of college sports that we all knew, they were revealed big time, and it's. It was difficult to watch at times this year. I'm glad the season's over with. Congratulations to Alabama. Now, literally, everybody, don't leave your damn house till like, August or July. All right. Is Bob still gone, or is he is he back? I think I hear Bob. Oh, uh, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at the NCAA tournament bubble, or I'm looking mm-hmm. at bracketology right now. Um. The last four in for the NCAA tournament, according to Lenardi, North Carolina, Stanford, Oklahoma, BYU. The last four buys, basically teams that are going to get in regardless. Mm. Uh, Purdue, Indiana, Michigan State, and Duke. Okay. Can we place a bet? Can we place like a $20, 20 $30 bet? I don't see the NCAA tournament happening this year. Or if it oh, does, no, it's, it's going to be really it's gone. They're going to or, or it's or, or it's going to be a reduced field. Because I'm not buying. I look. I know they want to get 64 in. I know they want to do the tournament. But uh, this thing is still active, and there's another strain of COVID out there. Nope. Mm-mm. I, 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 my faith in them actually getting it done. I, I'm not buying it. I'm gonna bet on them doing it, finding a way. I think it's gonna be uncomfortable, but I think they're uh, they're gonna do it. Everything they possibly can to make that happen. The networks are gonna push them to do it. They just need they want the money and they want the revenue. Um, Andrew, what is your pick this week? What do you what do you recommend people check out either from what you watched or what you read? Um, you know what? Sorry, I had a coffee burp. My bad. And turn the mic off. Um. (laughs) Be a professional. You're promoting other podcasts. You're burping on this podcast, Andrew. Yeah, just just try to play it off as a pause. Just say, you know, and then, you know, a a delightful silence. Mm -hmm. It's all I tried. Let the reader in. You know, you know, hey, it's all about transparency. Um, no, the one thing that I would like to have everybody like read something non political or non just find an escape this week um, or this coming week because thing, <laughs> things are going to be quite interesting uh, in and around the uh, political spectrum and the media world um, with the inauguration. So just find an escape, watch a movie, cartoon. Like I, I'm, And I'm dead serious when I say this. I'm not joking. Please just find that mental space where you can just kind of zone out and enjoy something that's not – you know, going to have you stressed and worried. I'm, I'm excited for the WandaVision show, which, yes. um, um, or, it's or is I, or is I, yeah, like, you know, Pleasantville, but with Marvel characters in it. Hell I'm excited yes. for that. I, I will watch that. I love Paul Bettany is delightful. Um, 
so yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to watch that probably on Sunday night with my special lady friend. Mm. Ooh, mm. you got you got your lady friend. Yeah, that's right. We're gonna we we ordered some incredibly expensive <laughs> fried chicken. That's a pop up stand. Hell that yeah. Delivers that only delivers like for a half hour on Saturday and Sunday. So we're getting it on Sunday mm. and they only deliver to a certain number of people in the route. Cause it's just about the same. And it got a nice write up in the New Yorker. And we said, Hmm, I want that, some of that fancy, uh, fried chicken. And it's, uh, it's $50 for one order. So, well, damn, <laughs> I know it's fried do they chicken. like cook it in front of you or something? No, do they like pray over the chicken? I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, it's, I'm not. 30, I'm not. It's thirty five dollars for three pieces of chicken. Jesus with, Christ! With three sides. Okay. It's got rice. Wait, three pieces of chicken with three sides. Yeah. <sighs> rice, Brussels sprouts, and sweet potatoes. Okay. Um, Were they out of mac and um, cheese? They they don't offer any. Those uh, are the sides what? you get. You can just take that. Okay, that's fine. It's it's called Pecking House if you're in the tri-state area and want to get an order. But, like, we were supposed to order on Saturday night. And the only way to order it is you have to wait for an email from the guy who's running the pop-up stand. And then the moment you get the email, you have to log in. Oh, it's a pop-up stand. Okay, okay. Yeah. You have to log in and open it and get it. We were supposed to get it Saturday night. It took me... I logged in and placed my order nine minutes after I got the email from him, and the Saturday slots were sold out, so we had to decide to do um, a Sunday. Uh, but it is it is it is a Asian influenced fried chicken from uh, Chef Eric Wong, and uh, yeah. So anyway it's 35 bucks for three pieces of chicken and three piece sides he describes it as taiwanese fried chicken meets nashville hot chicken so okay my fat ass is actually interested now <laughs> yeah it's got it's got uh, Sichuan peppercorns you know and brined in buttermilk seems good I can't imagine that it's $35 good when I could go to the freaking Popeyes down the block and get something that's fine for um a third of the cost but uh yeah so we're gonna hunker down with some fancy uh nashville hot slash Szechuan fried chicken and watch some fine disney-based programming that's my sunday night that's my hot that's some good stuff hot sunday night fuck yeah that's how i'm gonna detox um uh yeah i'll send you the i'll send you the email address if anyone wants uh wants to get in on this but i had to wait a month for a slot to be available mm. and it's only just it's only based in new york it is only ba- it is this one guy who used this to is the most new york story bob's put like, really new, there's a lot of is. new york ass stories from bob on this podcast but this might be the most new york ass story he's done so far the guy the guy worked for like gramercy tavern and cafe balloon he's a fancy lad chef and Everything like in and he started like and he went back to his like family's restaurant and he's just started to bake like fusion fried chicken and like this is the most New York ass thing I've ever done possibly so aside from aside from other certain illicit activities but so uh, is Andrew Yang gonna be uh, getting some of this chicken because apparently Andrew Yang is all about NYC right now oh God <laughs> he's I running, was waiting he's <laughs> running the I'm not owned. 
not owned campaign. <laughs> it's really, and you know what? I would still prefer him to that incompetent doofus de Blasio. I would really would. I would rather have an extremely online guy with some questionable ideas if he were a functional te technocrat instead of this one dipshit who really just doesn't seem to enjoy doing the job of mayor. But de Blasio has pissing. a black son, so he can, you know, he, he yeah. relates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's bad. <laughs> he's bad at his... The job, look, the job of mayor of New York City is absolutely thankless. No one comes out of that job looking better than they did beforehand. You almost have to be a bit of a masochist. Like, people have been saying, like, well, why doesn't Ocasio-Cortez run for mayor and use that megaphone as a springboard to hire a political office? I'm like, no, no. Like, it's an almost impossible job to do. No one can do it well. And no matter what, the entire population hates you. There did like there is zero chance of a mayor to presidency pipeline. Do not do that. So essentially, it's like follow. It's it's the equivalent to following a legend like a Vince Lombardi or a Nick Saban. You don't want to be the guy that follows the guy. The issue for right. the New York City mayor is you don't want to be the guy who follows the guy who follows the guy. No, it's it's, it's, the guy. it's the equivalency of being the head coach of the New York Jets. It's a job that is doomed to fail and leave everyone involved utterly tarnished. Damn. Well, that is where we'll have to leave it today, guys. Um, we can follow you, Mr. Silverman, at Bob Sayetta. We can follow Aham at Aham TNT. Um, keep up the great. Oh, and then very, very quickly, Andrew, give us your news. Very, oh, very quickly. So, um, oh crap! What is my news? Um, oh my god! Oh, currently, currently looking for a co-host for uh, Into the Archives with Aham. Oh. Um, so, yeah, C currently looking for a co-host, um, and yeah, so, uh, Super Bowl three episode is coming out on Monday, so, yeah, looking for a co-host, and launching a, a new episode on Monday, so yeah, there's the news Get it. that you can use. There you go. And go read Bob's piece in the Daily Beast with Daisy Samir. Yeah, there's another one also from Monday. I wrote about uh, Bill Belichick turning down the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Also available okay. in the Daily Beast if you want to read that. That was also like thinking of the pain suffered by our soon-to-be former president at getting told by Belichick to go sit on attack. That was that was good and cool to me. All right. Guys, thank you as always for the time. We'll be back next week. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get you your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, oh yeah, the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or having an existing show that you want to grow? Hustle is an open door to leveling up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. The wait is finally over. Notfest Roadshow is back. October 13th, Jiffy Lube Live, featuring Slipknot, with Kill Switch Engage, Fever 333, and Code Orange. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com, part of the Metris Warehouse Concert Series. Your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. Uh, to apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, we're back on the Chase Homes Podcast, and I'm now joined. By Seattle Times, Bob Condotta. Bob, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I am. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, are you bored on the Seahawks beat at the moment? Something tells me you're not. Yeah. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Um. It's never boring anyway. But yeah, I they uh, had a lot of news the last week with uh, um, getting rid of their offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, renewing their general manager John Schneider, and, and all that. So yeah, kind of going into the off season already with some questions to answer. All right, well, let's start with Schottenheimer because I was kind of surprised, not because I think he's been great for the Seahawks, but because I figured that uh, he meshed with what Carroll and Wilson wanted to do on the offense. It just didn't unfold the way they wanted to. Um, why, in your estimation, did the Seahawks fire Brian Schottenheimer after three years? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you, know, you never would have thought this even six weeks ago when you know Russell spent the first half of the season on pace for the all-time NFL um, passing, you know, single season record for passing touchdowns and all of that, and, and uh, you know, people were talking about Schottenheimer as a head coaching candidate, and and uh, and then really just the last five weeks of the year just really went, it really went all awry. You know, I think uh, I think a couple things happened. I think they, I think they felt like the the offense had just sort of hit a wall there, and you know that they had been unable to kind of find the answers to what teams were doing to kind of stop them. And so I think they felt like maybe they just needed a fresh voice to sort of look at that a little bit. Um, you know, they, they, I think there, there've been a few games where maybe there've been some, you know, Pete wanted to call it one way and, and maybe it didn't mesh with the way, the, the way Brian was, was going to call it. And so I, I think maybe there was some of that a little bit, you know, um, just sort of like who, who's really in charge here. I think, I think Pete really wants things done, you know, and he's the head coach. So that's his right to, to want to have things done the, the way he wants them done. And, and, you know, if, if, uh, if basically the second guy, you know, in, in charge or whatever, you know, doesn't want to do it exactly that way, then, you know, the guy who's in charge can, can make that call there. And so I think there was some of that as well, but, you know, I think certainly just the way that things, the way that things went, I think they feel like they, they really wasted a chance to go to the Super Bowl this year with the way the offense collapsed at the end of the year. And I think they just, you know, it was like, okay, that was three years and, and, and we gave that a shot and now it's time to give something else a shot. Are you surprised that the heat fell there and not on Ken Norton Jr. at all? Or is it because of their relationship and dating back to USC that he's he's pretty much safe, no matter how bad the defense gets, which was the worst defense of football at points this season? 
Yeah, but then it kind of went the other way, right? Yeah. Where it got a lot better, and once they and once they got all their pieces in there, I mean, that was you know the one really overlooked thing with the defense was they they really had a lot of kind of uh, you know injuries and, and people that weren't really in the spots they needed him to be in, and you know in October when they made the trade for Carlos Dunlap, Jamal Adams came back healthy, Jordan Brooks, their first round pick, came back healthy. People forget he was dealing with the knee injury, and but once that happened, that solidified the linebacking core. Once Jamal got back. Once Keel Griffin got back, um, you know they they also made the decision to not play Quentin Dunbar anymore and got a healthy guy over there at DJ Reed. Um, you know then it got a lot better, and you know so I think they felt like the structure wasn't broken on defense; it was just more we didn't have the right guys in there and in the right spots. And so, but the other thing about the defense is it's Pete Carroll's defense. Uh, you know I always tell anybody who asks that. There's way too much emphasis in Seattle on who the coordinator is. The coordinator is Pete Carroll. You know, he, he's, he's a defensive guy. That was his entire background before he got the job, other than, I guess, one year as a receiver's coach somewhere uh, way, 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 way back in one of his first years. But, you know, uh, that's his whole background, and it's his defense. Nothing happens on defense that Pete isn't, isn't signing off on or approving of. And there's never, they're never going to hire a coordinator. He's going to say, Pete, we're going to do this instead. So, you know, I, that's, that's why I think, uh, um, you know, I think with Ken Norton, as long as there's a guy there that Pete is sort of messing with and getting along with, you know, he's never going to look for a guy that's going to bring in something different. Offense is a different story. You know, I think I think um, Pete could, you know, that's not necessarily his, you know, his complete area of expertise. And I think he'd be more than happy to, to, to bring in somebody who, who had some different views maybe of how to do some things in some certain way. So, um but for sure, when you just go back and look at it, I mean, they, despite everything, they set a team record for, for points in a season this year, and they did that without getting any, for the first time in team history, they didn't get a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown. So it was solely points scored by the offense other than a couple of safeties that they got them that record. And so, uh, you know, from that standpoint, it's definitely surprising. From a uh, an outside looking in perspective, what do you what do you think is going to happen at the offensive coordinator spot? Do you think it's going to be Anthony Lynn? You're reporting on that today. Um, I, I mean, I really have no idea who it's specifically going to be, but mm-hmm. you know, certainly a guy like Anthony Lynn makes some makes some sense for for some reasons. He's a guy who has some background with Pete Carroll. Um, Pete was a, the defensive coordinator with the 49ers in the mid '90s when Anthony Lynn played for the 49ers. So you know, they've obviously known each other for a long time. Um, you know, Pete's seen him. Pete's played against his offenses here a couple of times in the last few years, and and they, and, and um, Anthony Lynn's offense has had some success against Pete each of those times. So I, you know, I think maybe he he, he looks at it that way too. Um, you know, Lynn was a, a running backs coach for a long time, and so has has a real background in the running game. He and the one year he was offensive coordinator in Buffalo, he had a running quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Um, you know, did a lot of the same kind of same kind of stuff um, you know Russell's Russell Wilson will be 33 next year so I don't know that they're looking to run him more but they certainly I think that aspect of using his running ability to open up runs for other people and how you can do that I think is something that would be enticing for sure that Anthony Lynn has in his background as well um, and and, uh, and I know Pete was always a really big fan of Philip Rivers and, and how the Chargers sort of uh, were able to use him to to, to um, um, you know the, the offense that they had uh with Philip Rivers and, and how explosive that could be, and so there's probably some aspects of that of the, of the passing game that they had there for those for those few years there as well that would probably be of interest to him. There, you heard it. You heard it here first. Philip Rivers, next offensive coordinator in Seattle. Um, Scott Fitterer, what do you what do you make of his departure from Seattle, and is this something Seahawks fans should be concerned about? 
Oh, I mean, you're never concerned. You know, when a guy leaves for a promotion, I mean, you can't, you know. I just well, just concerned about having his voice the right and his analysis. So. Yeah, like just yeah, concerned uh, about him, just losing him in the Oh, for uh, sure. Schneider's I mean, office. this is what happens. Yeah, this is what happens with successful teams as guys move on. I mean, that's sort of what you want, right? You want your team to you want your team to have guys that other people want in their organization. And so you'd rather it be that way. You'd rather it be that a guy's that the guy was good enough and that your, your, your team has had guys to, that way. But yeah, I, you know, it, it's, it's part of, part of, I'm sure what, what, what may have played into this is John Snyder signed the contract. And so if Scott was going to be a GM anytime soon, it wasn't going to be in Seattle because, because Snyder is locked in here now through the 2027 draft. So, um, you know, Scott's a guy who's gotten interviewed a lot through the last few years. And, and he's, you know, he grew up in Seattle, was a high school quarterback here in Seattle, um, has lived here basically, uh, you know, almost his entire life. So I think I think he was always going to, um, you know, he was really only going to leave for the right opportunity. And I know he wanted to be a general manager. And like I say, instead of, you know, I think maybe he waited for a while here in Seattle to see if, if John might, uh, you know, go elsewhere or something else might happen. But uh, that wasn't going to happen anytime soon now. So, you know, it, it's a good time in his career for sure to, to go ahead and leave. And, you know, the Seahawks have some, have some, um, have some people sort of below, uh, um, Scott in their in their personnel department, who are, who are people that uh, other teams have come after and interviewed, and so this now allows Seattle to to, to promote one of them and, and keep one of them, which I think is what everybody thinks will probably happen is that they'll, they'll promote to um, you know Matt Barry, who's been one of their head scouts, or or another guy in their scouting department, and, and, and fill it in that way. Interesting. How many years do you think Pete Carroll has left in Seattle? Well, he just signed a new five-year contract, so you know I, I think he's got at least five more years. So you think um, he'll make it? What? what that will, he's the oldest coach in football. What would well, that I don't know. I, I mean, well, I don't think he's signing a contract and then thinking I'm not going to, I'm not going to fill it. I mean, seventy-five I is what he. Yeah, I think it's definitely crazy. Yeah, I think it, I think that's his his intention for sure is to is to fill out the contract. I mean, um, you know, they were. Um, there's no question that, you know, I think both Pete Carroll and John Snyder, um, the stability, uh, I think they were looking for that stability a little bit after Paul Allen died, the owner, a couple years ago. And there was a lot of questions about the direction of the franchise and who's going to be, you know, who's going to be kept and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, um, you know, if the team were sold, you know, that's that's when you might you might be curious about about what to do there. And, and I think the organization really wanted to make a, a sign with Pete and John of, of stability of like nothing changing here and, and uh, um, you know, we're going to keep running things the way we are and keep, and keep uh, you know, what's been a really successful team um, in place here and Pete and John and, and, and kind of keep going with it that way. So, um, you know, I, I, I think Pete will, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to say he's not going to fill it out because I fill out the rest of his contracts. I, you know, I think that's all he wants to do. I mean, he's not a guy who, you know, he's never been anything else but a football coach. So he's not a guy who, you know, who wants to go do this or do that. He doesn't want to broadcast or anything like that, you know, so, um, so he's, he's, uh, you know, he's talked often about uh, setting records for being the oldest coach in NFL history and all of that. And you know, this contract would, would obviously do that if, if he were to fill it out. But, you know, again, he just signed it a few months ago. So I don't think he signed it with the idea that oh, I'm just going to give this up here in a year or two. Interesting. Um, when you think about Russell Wilson and the way the season ended and just uh, the growing power Russell Wilson has, and he wants input on who the next OC is going to be, um, do you think he's happy? by and large in Seattle? Is he happy with the direction? Is he happy with where everything's gone? Is he happy with what's really happened in the last couple of years with Seattle, just having this good team and always putting him in a position to be a Super Bowl contender, but just not getting there in recent years? Is he, is he happy? 
Well, nobody's happy with that, right? I mean, yeah. is there any quarterback who, who's happy not getting to the Super Bowl every year? I mean, that's that's what you play for, and that's that's what you want. And so, um, you know, I I think everybody can make way too much out of this wants input. I mean, he had input last time. I mean, you know, they changed coordinators three years ago, and I know he had input in that. So, um, you know, you, you, you're never going to not ask your quarterback when he's a guy who's that who's that good and makes that much money and and all of that. You know, you're you're going to hire a guy, and the first time he hears about it is when they announce it. You know, you're you're for sure going to run it by him, and hey, what do you think of him? And do you know, do you have a relationship with him, or what can you tell us about him, or all of that? I mean, that's only natural, and I don't think that's out of the ordinary at all. I think that happens. I think that happens with most teams that ever have have quarterbacks of of any sort of stature. So, um, you know, I I I think um, um, I think he's. I think he's uh, happy in the general sense. I think obviously they they didn't like the way this season ended. I mean, I, I you know I don't even know how much that needs to be stated. I mean, when you lose a game like that, nobody's happy with the way they lost that game Saturday against the Rams, and everybody is searching for answers to how to prevent that from happening. And and it's you know what makes it even more urgent, obviously, is that the Rams are in their division. So um, you know both the Rams and 49ers, you know the defenses that really stopped them at the end of the year are defenses they have to play twice a year, and so they've got to figure out ways. You know, and that aren't going anywhere. You know, with young head coaches and and uh, and you know players that are that are signed, signed, sealed, and delivered for a few more years on both these teams. So you know, if you if if your first goal to getting to the Super Bowl is simply winning your division and getting home field advantage in the playoffs, you know, if you're the Seahawks, you know, you got to get you got to figure out a way to uh, move the ball against the 49ers and the Rams. And uh, you know, so that's what they're going to spend the off season doing is trying to figure out how to do that and, and get the you know just kind of get the offense. You know, in a little different, in a little different state, maybe you could show these guys some new looks next year that those teams aren't expecting. <laughs> you know, they they have always struggled with the Rams for forever and ever and ever. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald's career high in sacks are all against the you know Russell and the Seahawks, and um, you know, sort of no matter what the Seahawks have done and what they've tried, they have always really struggled with with those matchups there. Um, and uh, you know, the one time they sort of had some success with Schottenheimer's first year, where they were really able to get the running game going, and they were doing some different things there. Um, and I think that might be what Pete wants to get back to. You know, uh, is is that the Rams, with the way they with the way they play on uh, on offense or on defense, and with the with just the tough matchup that that line has always been. You know, they just got to figure out ways to attack it a little bit differently and better. And so, you know, that's certainly going to be a goal of this offseason to get that done. Interesting. Um, last thing we'll wrap up here, uh, Rashad Penny, is it, uh, is it over? Is the experiment over? Is that officially just like, that's a miss on a first round pick. Well, I, I mean, I'd still give it one more year before I'd say it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's over. I mean, I mean, there's no reason for them to declare it over. I mean, he's under contract for one more year, so yeah. they'll hope he get, gets healthy and, and bring him back and, and see what happens next year. So, um, you know, it's, uh, um, Certainly, it hasn't worked out the way they hoped so far. No doubt about it, because of the injuries, and you know that's one of those odd things in scouting. Rashad Penny had never it basically missed so much as a play due to injury in his career up until then. And they, uh, you know, on draft day they talked about that because one of the I understand why people criticize that pick, but it makes some sense if you really follow the Seahawks and what happened in 2017. They they were just terrible running the ball in 2017, and Marshawn had retired. And, and, um, um, and everybody got hurt, and they just didn't have any depth at the running back spot at all. So one of the reasons they wanted Rashad was was because of his durability, and, and, and they had assessed that he was basically the healthiest running back that was coming out in the draft, had no injury history of any kind. And, you know, just kind of the, the fluky way things can happen. Suddenly with the Seahawks, he's just been hurt almost constantly. Um, 
when he's played, he's played well. I mean, go back and look at you know his 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 yards per carry averages and the big plays he's made. When he's when he's been healthy and had a role and they've been able to get him in there, he's played pretty well. Um, but he just hasn't been healthy enough. You know, starting from his first training camp, he basically missed all of it. It was sort of a, a fluky broken hand thing that that uh, um, you know can kind of just happen. And and uh, obviously he tears his ACL last year against the Rams, so it's hard to account for injury. And um, but. Uh, you know, they didn't obviously get a good look at him this year, uh, was only able to play a couple of games, um, sort of got hurt again. Uh, you know, I, I think coming back from an injury like that is a tricky thing. So they'll for sure give him the off season, hope, uh, kind of hope, you know, he has a really good off season, comes back from that. And, and he'll, yeah, I mean, he's definitely in their plans for next year. No, no question. Last thing and we'll go, Bob, um, the Seahawks, they should or should not be the favorite to win the NFC West again next season. Um, I don't really know how to answer that right now until we know for sure everything that happens. I mean, as we've discussed, we don't even know who the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks is and what they're going to do offensively and some things like that. So I, I think it's kind of hard that way to, to, to make any real pick. And, you know, who's the quarterback of the 49ers going to be? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things out there that, that I think um, – that I think could really change uh, to make it, but you know, they certainly will have every chance to, to win the division. Um, you know, they've got a lot of things they got to do. They got 24 free agents and you know, about 10 of them are really key guys. And do they resign them? Do they go sign, do they go sign some other people? They're not going to be able to do much in the draft because they traded, you know, they'll only have one pick in the first 120, but, um, um, you know, so maybe they can be active in free agency a little bit and do some things, but you know, you're, you're probably logically going to see roughly the same team. Um, just because they aren't probably going to have a lot of flexibility to do much in the off season, and uh, but I still think you know w- with Russell Wilson and, and, and the, uh, where he is in his career, and, and you know the, the uh, a lot of the other things that they have, uh, you know you can you can spend way too much time probably worrying about what just happened in the last game. And again, they won 12 games this year, and uh, you know they did win the division, and they, they won what was the you know, regarded by many people as the, the toughest team in the division. And, you know, they went four and two in the division. So, um, you know, I, I think they, they certainly can still be right there. But I, I'm not going to make a prediction on, on January 15th about something that's going to happen in September. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Bob, what can we check out from you on the, the Seattle Times this week? Um, just, yeah, just an awful lot of diff- uh, coverage of, of different Seahawks things. Uh, yes, it's seattletimes.com. We have had about five different stories about the Schottenheimer and what's going to happen now and um, just inst- starting a lot of our off-season uh, kind of overview stuff so all right well go check that out keep up the great work sir thank you so much for making the time this afternoon I greatly appreciate it uh, and stay safe out there okay all right thank you very much All right, we're back on a Friday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by old friend Harmon Dial of The Athletic Vancouver. Harmon, good morning, your time, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, man. I miss talking to you. It's been a little bit. It's always funny when I go back and uh, look at uh, Skype stuff because I'm like, oh, we talked that long and I've known you for like three years now. Like you first appeared on this podcast several years ago and uh, look at us now. Now you're at The Athletic. I'm with Blue Wire. We're all making moves in our 20s because Harmon, there's one thing that I'm certain of. It's that you and I are both very much in our young, youthful 20s and not even close to uh, turning 30. No, neither of us are <laughs> inching 30 years old. <laughs> 
Yes, neither of us. You definitely aren't. Exactly. Thank you. You you get it, Harmon. That's why you always have a welcome spot in this podcast. Um, so I actually watched the the Canucks opener, and I kind of want to start there um, against the Oilers. The Oilers uniforms were an albatross. I, I don't know who okay those. Yes, those were just. Um, I, I this is because I'm a writer. I think it's it. This works. Um, they were dog shit. And I could not believe that that yeah. was a thing that uh, I had to sit there and watch. But uh, what have you made through the, the two games against the Oilers? Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, the first one, uh, Vancouver, I mean, they're without JT Miller, who's um, really a first-line driving force for them. And the Canucks are one of those teams where um, they're really reliant on their top-end talent. They've got um, guys who can win them games single-handedly, but the further you go down the lineup, the... Um, the week of the depth goes. So they're a pretty top-heavy team. And, and when you miss a piece like Miller, the Canucks are um, are clearly hurting because of that. I mean, in the first game, um, it took uh, it took a special effort from uh, the second line led by rookie Swede uh, Nils Hoaglander, who kind of surprised at a camp uh, and, and the rest of the lineup to kind of step up uh, to really uh, power them through to that win i mean the first line chipped in with a couple goals um at the end to sort of um you know push push edmonton away and and like put them to bed kind of thing but they didn't really win the game in the first two periods and um and then the second one um same sort of thing um where um the the top of the lineup uh the Elias Pedersen line just kind of struggled without Miller and um they've been rotating through on that left wing spot I mean you saw uh Tyler Mott there um those Hoaglander got a couple of shifts the point being just that um uh, obviously Jake Vertanen started there point being that they're just kind of struggling to find that fit right now I think Miller uh, is out because of a uh, COVID protocol so he could be back next week um, that would be a huge boost for the club because um, otherwise I think you look at the rest of the lineup and, and they've fared pretty decently um, on the whole over these two games, I think. Was Quinn Hughes on the Jack Hughes just eat whatever you possibly can in the offseason to get bigger um, diet or no? I don't think so. I think okay. there was a little bit uh, like after his rookie season heading into the bubble playoffs um you know there's definitely an element of hey we want this guy to get a little bit stronger and uh but it wasn't a huge talking point it wasn't the i don't think it was his number one focus i haven't you know just watching him i don't you know it doesn't jump off to the jump out jump out to the naked eye that he's a lot bigger or anything um, and I think part of it is just his rookie year was uh, was so dominant that um, you know with a lot of these guys as soon as you add weight you, you the, the worry is obviously you take away from their other attributes so for a guy like Quinn his edge work uh, his skating how elusive and how mobile and agile he is um, you don't want to put too much weight on that uh, body, but you also want to strike that balance where you want him to be able to um, defend uh, defend well in, in, in net front battles and, and blow the hash mark. So um, I think he's just going to continue to try and, and incrementally add a little bit of weight, but uh, nothing big. Like I think Jack Hughes added like 14 pounds or something this, uh, this yeah. offseason, he said. so. Yeah, do what you got to do. Um, I think they should have a... A who can eat the most McDonald's in one month without uh, 
getting just grossly <laughs> out of shape. I think the Hughes brothers should, or the Hughes group uh, should do that. Um, the Blackhawks, uh, they are already having a the season from hell. Um, all kinds of off season off the off the rink stuff. Um, now we know Jonathan Tues and Kirby Doc will be gone long term. We still don't really know what's going on with Jonathan, um, other than some undisclosed illness. It, correct me if I'm wrong. We really still don't know other than there's, um, he's just lethargic and he just doesn't have um, the the same kind of energy that he's used to having. It's it's a very scary situation. But uh, what does all this mean for the Blackhawks? And uh, what do you think about all this? Yeah, it means uh, it, it's very bad news for the Blackhawks. Or I mean, depending on the way you think about the direction of their organization, it may in fact be a blessing in disguise. Uh, not the injury, but just the fact that the, that the team um, is now trending towards uh, a higher draft pick. Uh, because you look at this Blackhawks roster, and um, you can tell like the the end is nigh, and it's it's now going to be a matter of turning your attention to what comes next. How are you going to build this team after uh, the Taves, Kane, Keith uh, sort of core that led them to the um you know all those cup wins in in the 2010s and um i mean you you lose taves and doc that's your that's your top two centers right there and um you couple that with the fact that um the 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 hawks also traded brandon sod to the colorado avalanche and you've lost three of your top six forwards from last season and and that doesn't even take into account the fact that um they lost both Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard and, and have uh, very unproven goaltending. And the state of their back end has already been a, a pretty big issue. So uh, just looking at things, I mean, you've, you've got a couple of pieces to be excited about. You know, Dominic Kubelik. Um, I think Alex Dabrinkit is going to have a bounce back here. Uh, there are some young players emerging on uh, on the back end that I think you're going to be excited about. Um, but, uh, on the whole, I mean, it's, uh, I think this is going to be a really, really tough year for, for the Blackhawks. And I think, uh, um, you know, I, I, I think what we saw from them opening night against Tampa is, is probably a trend of mostly, uh, what's to come. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I think the Blackhawks are in a weird position and I don't know if they're going to go through the, the kind of long-term painful rebuild, um, that other markets might be more willing to do but um they just uh, extended their coach so we'll see um do you like the wild signing uh marcus foligino to a three-year 9.3 million dollar deal yeah it's uh he's been he's been a pretty significant tertiary uh, contributor for them um i don't mind it um maybe the aav was a little bit high for uh for you know the the flat cap circumstances, but um, Felino means a lot for for that team. I think uh, both on the ice and off of it as a leader in terms of the intangibles that he brings. He's really popular in the locker room, um, and you know as uh, you know on the ice, his contributions I think exceed what you see in in the relatively muted point totals because he's uh, he's quietly an elite defensive piece. Uh, he offers a bit of an intimidation factor with his physicality. Um, I believe he kills penalties. You can ship in with a goal here or there. So I can see it. Uh, the Again, the AAV is a little bit high for my liking, but, um, I mean, for three years, uh, given the wild, you know, circumstances where they're at um, and how they're, 
they're almost in a process of trying to integrate younger talent as well because they've now got Kaprizov. They um, they were integrating Fiala. Uh, so, you know, and they've got uh, a lot more guys coming. So, you know, to have a, a veteran leader like that uh, just to kind of, um, you know, be, be a steady presence, uh, again, both on and off the ice, uh, I can see why they brought Felino back. And um, um, I don't mind it. All right. Um, how did uh, Conor McDavid, to bring it back to, to last night, how did he get a hat trick and uh, why did the Canucks struggle to de- defend him last night? Uh, the Canucks struggle to defend him because when Conor McDavid is on his game, literally <laughs> nobody can stop him. Uh, it is unbelievable how well he played last night. Um, there was no player in the NHL who can go from non-threatening to terrifying that quickly it literally takes two seconds um you know a defenseman might might have the puck in the neutral zone and then he and you're not worried at all your defensive formation is set and then mcdavid picks it up and two seconds later it's literally in the back of your net it's it's pretty unbelievable to watch like the power play goal where he walked alex edler i was just i was in disbelief i i was like there's you how do you stop that like seriously how um it just feels like sometimes when he turns it on offensively he's a cheat code uh and i'm sure there are ways you can try and limit his damage but uh, on nights like that i mean there's only so much you can do to try and uh to try and handle him because no one can keep up with him skating wise like you just can't Uh, a defenseman skating backwards cannot hold down Connor mcdavid and um you know they they held him in check in in game one and um i'm sure that uh that that kind of you know uh motivated him because i think heading into this season there have been you know conversations starting to percolate about is mcdavid still the undisputed best player in the league or is nathan mckinnon starting to make a case um what do you think and i th- I, I still think it's McDavid for for my money. Um, I think um, you know people point to the defensive results, um, but I think part of that is a byproduct of like Edmonton is their scoring depth has historically been so bad that you know a guy like McDavid he has to take a lot of offensive risks um, because he knows that if he doesn't score the rest of the team isn't um, and so you know I, I I think the team effects can kind of way way down on his defensive profile um but so to me he's still he's still the best player in the league uh and um but what i was saying there was i I think the fact that it has become a conversation has almost lit a fire under mcdavid i know i know i heard this offseason that he was training with uh, a real chip on his shoulder and i think um he's eager to go out there and and throw a cold water on any talk of uh of whether uh mckinnon's closing uh closing ground on on the race for being the best player in the league it's going to be interesting to see um the nhl ratings through the roof on opening night were you surprised a little bit honestly i think uh the way that um the way that um the 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 bubble went in 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 the playoffs um in in summer uh you saw not only the nhl but sports uh across uh across all the major north american leagues 
um, their ratings dips pretty significantly. And I think uh, a pretty a pretty notable part of that was, um, you know, you're playing in the summer and fans aren't watch- used to watching games this time of year, you know people have better things to do sometimes in the summer there's there's a lot going on and um it's abnormal to be stuck in your in your humid home trying to watch a sport played on ice it feels a little bit odd but um you know heading into this season i was i I was unsure how things would look because um things have just been you know, all out of whack. Uh, and I think there's a sense of normalcy that comes with the NHL starting uh, in October where, um, you know, the lead up to the season just felt kind of odd in, uh, in obviously this month in January, especially because you had no training or you had no preseason. You went straight from training camp to game one of the regular season. But um, that's where I think um, what, what I maybe missed was just how important uh, or impactful the Canadian division would be in stoking, um, you know, the, the stoking ratings boost. Uh, because I, I think I think uh, fans are legitimately excited to see, you know, Toronto play Montreal like 10 times a year or whatever it is, and uh, to see the Battle of Alberta uh, that many times. And oh, I'm so, dying for the Battle of Alberta down here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And let me tell you, Harmon, everyone around me going going crazy for the Battle of Alberta. <laughs> yes maybe up north here in canada um get out of your um, bubble Harmon. get out of your bubble hey i mean i've only seen the the, the canadian ratings mm-hmm. i haven't seen the u.s ones at all um you know that's all i can because i saw um the Sportsnet ones um mm-hmm. from you know i mean i mean that'd be great it'd be great to hear if if are the ratings great and down down south too uh yes great okay so see i wasn't aware of that that's yeah. my bad um um but no i guess there's that classic harman canadian bias yes i'm 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 a hardcore west coast canadian bias mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but no i mean that's great to see i think um on the whole yeah it surprised me to be quite honest it it, it really did um the fact that they were so strong and i'm going to be curious to see if it holds up over the remainder of the season yeah i mean uh it uh it will be interesting to see. I, I suspect it will be pretty solid. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong, but it seems like everything is starting to get a little bit more on the uptick on that front. Um, your early season picks. Who is, uh, when you were thinking about this league and thinking about the schedule and thinking about where teams were coming into this season, um, who are your early season Stanley Cup picks? I think uh, the favorite for me uh, is Colorado. Uh, mm. I think, um, you know, uh, I'm really going out, going out on the limb, yeah. putting a hot take out there. Uh, but no, it, I mean, after trashing he, Nathan McKinnon, no less. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> Suggesting no, I mean, that he look, might just be the second best player in hockey. I know such, such, uh, such a, you know, again, a Canadian bias going, yeah, going against I, a player on the American team. Um, but no, I mean, you look at that Colorado roster and. Um, top to bottom, it just seems like every off season they seem to improve the depth. Um, I like the acquisition of being able to add uh, Brandon Sod on the back end too. I mean, now you've got Devin Taves, uh, who quietly he's not a household name, but he's a really, in my opinion, high quality top four defenseman. You could pair pair him uh, with um, Kale McCarr. I mean, we'll see if Bowen uh, Bowen Byram 
um, factors into into this campaign and how he does. He could be another game breaker, um, and, um, and and just top to bottom. I mean, you've got McKinnon, you've got uh, Rantanen. The star power is certainly not lacking, but you've also got now guys like Kadri and. Um, you know, the aforementioned Saad and Andre Burkovsky. So they've really stocked up on, on their depth, which I think is a, is a big deal. And um, really the only question mark right now with the Avalanche is, is in net with, uh, with Grubauer and, um, and uh, Francis. So, again, that's the only question mark because otherwise, I mean, up front they're an offensive juggernaut and, and on the back end they've got a solid group too. Uh, almost to the point where they may have to shop a defenseman. So um, I'm big on I'm big on the Avalanche. Um, and, and, and hey, that's just me. I I I, I just I, I usually play it straight up. Um, I, I I tend to pick the team that I think uh, is the best on paper. Um, a lot of times it doesn't end up working out because those teams um, take a while. Like I I it, it took what like three or four years of me picking tampa bay to finally be right but eventually when you have a team that's that talented they do break through and um i I definitely expect colorado to to win a cup uh, at some point um at some point in the next few years i think that that's a pretty fair expectation of them all right well we'll leave it there Harmon. what uh, what can we read from you this week in the athletic Ooh, this week uh not sure what's what's uh in the cards quite yet but um in terms of what's been out recently um i've done quite a bit of national coverage so i've done uh, a list for top 10 breakout candidates in the nhl top 10 bounce back top 10 regression and then uh, i've also used my colleague dom lucision's uh model to uh give uh the you know best bets so if anyone's into uh sport uh nhl gambling then uh, you can check that out too all right go do that Harmon. keep up the great work sir work on that canadian bias i know it's difficult but do what you can on that front um but yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you as always for the time good friend and good luck this season thanks Beth. all right we are good sweet all right, man. Well, it was good catching up. Um, you got a pup, I see. Yes. What yes. is his or her uh, name? Uh, his name is Cash. Cash. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, all right, buddy. Well, I got to hop on to the next one, but I'll have this up. Uh, t- I think I'm I, I basically with Blue Wire. I have to do like a morning schedule, so I would tape them all, and then uh, they go out early the next day so this will probably be out early um tomorrow but uh yeah i'll link in all that good stuff nice um so how has it gone with uh with blue wire has uh has it um been able to like are you able to work less hours now like with your regular sort of day job or uh no <laughs> well it's only been a week so we'll, oh, we'll see okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is only been a week so we we shall see at the BAM next month where I'm at. But um, the goal is to ultimately uh, do this as my main job um, and then be able to write every day and do the other kind of stuff that I want to do um, full time. But uh, yeah, that uh, we'll see. We're getting we're inching closer and closer. 2021 is the year that I want to be able to just focus on this completely and uh, 
yeah, as I turn 30 in four months, I'd rather uh, my 30s start off in that fashion. Right on, man. Best of luck. Thank you. You as well. You as well. Let's all let's all thrive in 2021. Harmon. Definitely. In our youthful 20s. <laughs> in our youthful 20s. God damn it, Harmon. All right. Well, I got to run, but uh, I will circle back with you soon. Awesome, man. Take care. See you, buddy. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.